Take your hemp experience to a whole new level with Mountain Maid's puff line of smokable flour. Mountain Maid meticulously source each strain from select partner farms to ensure the highest quality product in the market space. When it comes to the entourage effect, nothing tops strain-specific flour to deliver a full range of cannabinoids, terpenes, and phytocannabinoids. With 0.7 grams of premium full flour inside each pre-roll, you'll be ready to maximize your personal summit. Remember, Mountain Maid's products ship nationwide. Go check out their website today and follow them on social media at M-N-T-M-A-D-E Mountain Maid. Their website is www.mountainmaid.life. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome back to the Black Biohacker Podcast. I'm your host, Kamar Anderson, and I'm so excited for you guys to join me on today's episode. Our guest speaker today is Keith Mitchell. He is a motivational speaker, mindfulness and meditation coach. But prior to this, he was a NFL player. So this is a great, great episode. It's also a shorter one. And also to let you guys know that at the time, Keith was in Puerto Rico and it was really busy and kind of loud. So you might can hear a little bit of the bustling city. So just put that aside and listen to all the amazing content that's about to come your way. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Black Biohacker Podcast. Today's guest is Keith Mitchell, motivational speaker, mindfulness, and meditation coach. Thank you so much, Keith, for being on the show today. Kamar, thank you so much for having me and being a part. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about meditation. What led you to go from being a professional NFL football player to a yogi? Right, that's the that's the dichotomy of that one extreme to the other. It seems. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I found my middle way by um, you know suffering an injury. Uh, my eighth season in the pros, I played linebacker. I was all pro linebacker. Uh, made it to the National Football League. Excelled at it. Uh, six years in New Orleans, a year in Houston, and then in Jacksonville is where I basically started my, as I say, my real transition. And uh, <clears throat> what happened? was I was making a tackle I had made a million times. And on this particular tackle, uh, I end up on my back. Um, you know, I hit people many times and through the process you get up and you, you know, kind of find motivation and momentum for the team. And uh, on this particular case, my body is not responding. I'm telling myself to, to move, to get up, and my body's just sit there frozen. You know, it's like my body had had enough apparently and it, it, it was ready to say, hey, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. And, yeah. uh, and, and it, was, it was a very interesting position to be in a place where you know you're in trouble, you know you're, in, you're, you're hurting and in pain, but you can't feel the pain, which is a very interesting sequence for me through that experience. And, and, and in the hospital, I learned the concept of conscious breathing, which later led to meditation. Wow. So was that your first experience being exposed, exposed to meditation? Yeah, my, it was my first experience being, well, it was actually a process to get to that because, and this is also how I teach it, I, when people ask, what is meditation? I don't like to define it for them because I want you to have that discovery for yourself, kind of like I had my discovery. It's like, it's like things with spirituality, things with these ideologies, they were already kind of predetermined and pre-exposed to us as if, 
But through this process, I got to gain my own interpretation, which led me through conscious breathing, which is a question I propose to many of the listeners who are listening now. Do you know what happens when you breathe? Do you, can you conceptualize what happens in your body when you breathe? When you breathe from the belly, from the inhale, the diaphragm pushes down, on the exhale, it pushes up. And, and from that dynamic led me to what we call meditation, which led me to what I call now mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Well, what types of meditation do you recommend for different personalities, as well as do you have a favorite? Um, I've had to, I've, I, I have so many that I really like. I like functional movement, moving meditation, which I call a yoga practice. I have uh, a meditation of being silent and just focusing on my breath. Uh, I think for the people that maybe are listening, I think a very easy and simple meditation would be, or maybe not so simple, but this, the, the concept is simple, and it's proposing the question. It's a contemplative meditation, and it starts with the question of basically, what do you desire? And once you define or answer the question, now you discover why. And it takes you on a whole other journey within itself, and um, that's the most beautiful I know I learned something new a few months ago of walking meditation. I learned it at the uh, Buddhist monastery and I thought it was really cool. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm a big, uh, I, I grew fond of Osho. I love Osho as a leader. What has been the most positive effect from meditation that you've had? The most positive effect of meditation that I find is just allowing your mind to just like let go, detach from your thoughts. It's, it's not that you're ever going to stop thinking because thinking or, or how your body processes data is going to have just like you have an input that has an output. So you're taking millions of bits of information. So through the day, you're letting go. You're, you're, the output is going to be tremendous things that you've done, things that you've seen. So through the process, I'm not attaching to these thoughts. I'm I'm letting them run, similar to a ticker on a sports channel. You see the channels. And so you decide what you're into that you want to take and attach to. Uh, You decide. But the things that are unnecessary, the things in a negative sense, we let it go. Mm -hmm. And through that process, we begin to be more mindful around meditation practice. Yeah. What do you think are other benefits that people can expect from meditation? Well, meditation also allows you to be the observer, to be the self-reflector, to see, you know, it's like, I, 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 the example that I'm familiar with that I share with people, it's kind of like when you see a, a football game, a sports game, and you see the, the player getting penalized. And then the, the player's like, well, I didn't, I, didn't pull, I didn't pull his jersey. I didn't commit the penalty. But then you rewind the tape, and sure enough, he did. Mm-hmm. He didn't catch that ball like he claimed he did. In a lot of cases, in our actions in life, we're biased to our actions. We think we showed up a certain way, and then there's another reality of how we actually really did show up. And so it's an opportunity to be the reflector, to observe my how I show up in the world and begin to redefine how I choose to show up in the world. Like, you know, make, making these corrections where I want more peace, where I want more compassion, or whatever it is I'm deciding to implement in my life, I can begin to make those adjustments accordingly. Yeah. So during this pandemic, how important do you feel that it is 
to learn and practice meditation. We are going not going through not only a COVID-19 pandemic, but we're also going through a mental health pandemic. Yes, yes. Especially great point, the mental health aspect. And I think really what's coming to surface is the mental health pandemic that's been there all along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just have overlooked it because we didn't have the words to describe it, you know, uh, in some cases. Um, you know, it's an opportunity to, again, go in. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to, you know, the quarantine concept is like what we talk about and, and the ashram is like Vipassana. And the quarantine is the idea to uh, move all the distractions away. And, and so when I take all the distractions away, meaning I can't run from this thing that's been lingering within me uh, and I have to sit and deal with it. Well, this is what the quarantine concept is about. And actually through the process, the quarantine process is to break you in a sense to like let those things go deal with it or they consume you. And so through this process, obviously more of a positive construct coming, people, the essentials we talk about, whether it be food, uh, the, the, the community of people, families, I've seen them work together. I've seen people get out and exercise more, give and invest to their bodies. I've seen that dynamic happen. I also see them, uh, people, the collective, see information that we've been exposed to to look at it deeper, like seeing the oppression that's happened consistently through our lifetime. And to look at it and to say, hey, this is not acceptable anymore. Hey, this is enough of that. Let's do something about that. And the doing, in my opinion, is the meditation call to action, which I call mindfulness. Mm. Yeah. It seems like not just the United States, but the world is waking up. Yes, yes. I, I believe we're shifting from this belief. I have been saying believe less and no more. We're in the age of information. When we were not in that age, we had to believe things because we didn't have access to that knowledge. But the things for you been on your journey, if it's been 5, 10, 20 years, 15 years for me, well, the time that I had to go and search out uh, a Dr. Sebi, a Dick Gregory, a Layla Africa, uh, you can have them access right away. You know, yeah. I, you know, it's like, so the curve, the learning curve is like shortened. You know, it's like they're exposed to the people like me or like you that have been on their journey, your journey for such a long time that we can bring the people up full speed ahead, uh, you know. And so that shift is definitely happening in the world. And again, we're seeing where we truly are. And and the beautiful thing is this lifetime, we have an opportunity to do something about it. Like if you haven't had love in your life the way you desire it, well, this is the opportunity. You can shift that, change that right now, going forward, this moment now. Uh, whatever it is, if it's a career choice, if it's, if it's a, a, a relationship that you want to redefine, heal, well, in this lifetime, you can make that shift right now while the people are alive. We don't, you know, this is the, this is the dynamic that, and, and how powerful I like to suggest that we are as humans and the capacity and the capabilities we have to, to shift our consciousness. How do we get more black men and women exposed to meditation? Well, I mean, I think a beautiful thing is, uh, I'm gonna have to put it back on you, the beautiful thing that you've created with your platform uh, as a black man uh, showcasing it. I think we have to put eyes and focus on it. And people look at the different media outlets to 
to take in information or get information, well, well, you have a, created a, 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 an amazing platform that showcases it. And, and there's people out there that look like you, that, that look like me, who do it. And uh, I think there's a unique way of receiving that kind of information from someone that, that's more receptive this way than the other. I'm, saying, I'm not saying that there's not uh, exceptional white teachers, but I think when you can get some of that, that, that is, you know, to live on the planet as a black man, as a black woman, it's a unique situation. So there's different things that we've experienced that others haven't. So when we understand and, and teach the terminology of meditation and why we are to meditate, well, we can expose those certain things. And that just takes us deeper to the connection of why meditation and mindfulness is so important for us. It's to have a mind practice. So for when things, when we get tested, our mental is, is on point. When we get tested, we're on code to initiate and create the state of the course for what we want to create in our lives. And man, that is, it's, it's a beautiful thing when we can do that. Do you feel that meditation would drastically change our community? Meditation by far would change our community. I mean, when you talk about the dis-ease in the body, it first happens on the emotional state. Now, what happens is the liver is where anger is. The kidney is where fear. The intestine is worry. The heart and the lungs are grief. So when we have this emotional roller coaster going on in our minds, it creates a dis-ease in the body. So when we're talking about uh, contemplation, making conscious decisions, living more intentional, well, when we're in this sick state, well, we can't function efficiently. So when we begin to allow ourselves to heal, clear our minds, process the traumas and where we've been to let them go, now I act and function more efficiently. I act and more and function more in alignment to how I want to love, how I want to show up in the world, how I want to be and create my reality. And for us, in my opinion, because of what we've done thus far without having these types of practices, man, this is a game changer. This is a huge shift for us as a community, as us for humanity, because uh, we're actually in this thing together, whether we want to believe it or not. And there's really only one race, it's the human race. But in, the, in regards of where we are as seeing ourselves as black people, and, and, and being on the planet as black people, that's where we are, and that's a, that's a great place to start. And to, to, to be into that, know who you are, to realize the possibility of what we can be, and not just as a people, but also humanity. Beautiful, yeah. So you mentioned processing the trauma. Well, how do we even start? We have, as black people, we have generational trauma that has to be unlocked. So how do we even start that? Well, what I, what I find is through the contemplation. So when I present the question, Francis, well, what do I desire? Well, you, 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 you state your answer. Okay, well, what's keeping me back? What's holding me back? What's holding me back from uh, wanting to have the love with my significant other or the relationship with my parent that I haven't had thus far? Well, what you'll realize is you and your ideas about yourself through the process. Now, through a meditation, we begin to weigh what is more important, what is going to make me the best me, and we decide to focus on that and not the illusion of how my feelings feel a certain way, how they may perceive me a certain way, because those things are irrelevant and they don't matter. When I can live in my highest level to have the relations that I desire, well, now I'm nurtured. You know, now I'm now I'm fully nurtured. Now I can live free of the things that have held me back from being 
my best self, if you want to say it that way, you know? And, and also that ripple effect shares and goes down to uh, our children who are looking at this, uh, the relationships of the mother and father dynamic. And our misunderstanding to ever have learned in the first place to cultivate uh, a healthy relationship. Because that's the process that, I, that we're really learning here, how to build relationships. And through the nature of building relationships, we learn how to solve problems. So those things, if I truly love my son, if I truly love my daughter, well, then I must heal the dynamic of the father. I must make that a priority because if I don't have that relationship uh, with the father or the mother of my child, well, then I create a dysfunctional child. And, and, and not only that, my life begins to be limited in the love that I can have going forward. When I free myself of these wounds, right, these scars, now I invite love to happen in my life. Now I can go on, whether that relationship continues or not, I can go on and have other relationships that will be healthy going forward. But if I'm carrying those, those, those things that are holding me back from previous relationships, well, I'm showing up fragmented. And the idea is to show up whole. And in, the, in that dynamic of being whole, now I can receive, now I can thrive, now I can give love more efficiently, things like that. So that begins to be the priority. So now we have a whole substance behind what we're doing, not just doing things out of formality and lip service. Now we have a why to why we're doing it. And it, it just, it's just adding value to who we are. And it's the, and it's the internal investment that we can give to ourselves. Yeah. It's powerful. I believe it's powerful. I believe those are the game changes that we can just... It's like it's like a player, right? I, and I've seen a lot of players in, in the game, in, in the sport game. It's, it's like it's like that track star who's like, you know, he had a start a certain way, but now the coach comes and says, just tweak it like this. And just from just tweaking that one little thing, that perception of the start, it goes from an average runner to an all-pro, to an all-Olympian gold medalist. And that's, the, that's, that's what we're sitting on. And that's why I get so excited about sharing and showcasing these types of practices because we're sitting on so much because how do we know? Because in the predicament, in the situation from where we've been, we've done so much. But now when we tweak it, right? When we tweak, we make those final, like those simple adjustments. Now we can thrive on a whole nother level that I don't even know. It scares me that uh, of the places that I've seen myself develop and grow into. Well, then when you think of the collective, man, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I get excited. Even in the midst of a pandemic, I get excited because the human potential goes way beyond that. So in a way, it's learning to let go, communication, understanding, and love. Totally. And in my book, I have a book coming out called The Mindfulness Playbook, and it's a codified way to live your life in this sense. And, and, it's, and the code is from like, you know, it's like an insurance policy, right? It's like when we go into a relationship, it's not to project that dysfunction or miscommunication conflict will happen, but it's an idea that we go in to embrace that this is a matter of fact of the society and the situations where, that we're creating it, right? So mm -hmm. now we develop a code, we develop a language. So we can, so when things get, as they say, when shit hits the fan, for instance, well, we're on code with each other. So when we talk about trust, when we talk about love, I know where you are and I'm relating, I'm relating to you, the individual, and not my ideas about the things that we want to do with each other. Listen, that's, that's a whole nother thing that I, I've been really diving into a lot of because we relate to the ideas and we haven't learned how to relate to others. And to know how you function. So in a functional relationship, I'm doing just that. So we have a code in which we create an agreement, right? an understanding 
So when shit hits the fan, we can stay the course together. Mm. And, yeah, and that's the shift that we talk about in, in solving our problems. So what we'll find is those internal problems that we find in the conflicts and those relationships also will be the way that we take in the approach of solving problems in the external world as well. Yeah. Which, which that's something that's, in my opinion, so needed for us to consider because that same participation that we need to go inward with is the same participation that we need to go into the world with because we are the world. And as, it, as we're showing and seeing with this COVID-19 crisis, well, we recognize this, right? Because now we're, we're trying to relate with each other in the environment of COVID, but we have an environment that's been toxic the whole time. Now we haven't considered it as such, but we're also in that container. Therefore, the same participation in work has also to be the same participation in the external world to solve problems. So what is the best advice that you've learned during your journey of being spiritually present? Hmm. Well, being present, man, and that, that's, that's, so presence is like, so when I breathe through my nose and I exhale and I breathe through my nose and I hold it and I just exhale and I feel that, that, that time has settled. I feel myself settled, right? I can have new experience. My mind is not thinking about the past and how it's happened before, you know, what they did to me previously. I'm having the engagement for you, with you, the first time, the only time that counts. Because only in this time can we have the exchange that we desire to have. Only in this time can we be productive and, and, uh, and engaging the way we choose to be, right? And we want to be. And, and, and when I learned presence, man, it's like that puts you, that's like the catalyst to possibility. Because now, now the things that inhibit us from being present is this us holding on to those past things. But through the meditation, we allow ourselves to understand we can let that go. See, a lot of things that we will learn, we will learn a lot of things, but we will not ever learn how to let the past go. It's like, even if you ask me, like, hey, what do you remember most about your career playing football? And out of all the accolades and the successes I had, majority of things that stick out are the things that I did wrong, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, you know, so it's like when we're talking about presence, man, presence alone is a game changer because through presence, I allow myself to have the love that I want. In presence, I allow myself to build an intuition about the trust that I want to engage with someone else. All these different things are created, uh, we create a new palette to have a, a whole new experience with that, in my opinion, we've never given ourselves the chance to. And if we have, it's been a minimum chance to. So now we get to have the whole shebang. So let the listeners know where can they find your platform and more about your book. When does your book come out? I think the book is going to come out in like 30 days. I'm really excited about it. It's been a, it's been a long time coming. Uh, but where you can find me is KeithMitchell59.com. That's my website. I have a meditation, uh, mindfulness meditation album there that we just put out so you can kind of get the lay of how I present the meditations, the various practices. Uh, you know, the, the book is the Mindfulness Playbook, Eight, eight uh, Strategies at Winning at the Game of Life. Uh, it's a codified way of conducting and holding space in your life, creating in your life. And uh, it's some really tangible tools that you can use right now. And we talked about one, which, which, is, which is the breath and how you can make these uh, leverage points for when that residue kind of comes back and I can 
find myself slipping a little bit, but now I can I can get myself and I can adjust myself. I can be my own coach and get myself adjusted so I can stay in the game and stay the course for what I want to create in my life. Well, Keith, thank you so much for being on the Black Biohacker podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Kamar, for having me, man. It's been a pleasure, and I love the questions, and I love, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how you get pushed out in the forefront, because, again, we need platforms like you to showcase what's there and what's available. And, uh, man, it's going to be, I think you're gonna, it's going to be some amazing consequences of people seeing and knowing more about your platform and, and you exposing uh, the mental health is an issue and the, and the tangibles of meditation, mindfulness, and ways in which we can move through this. So uh, it's been an honor uh, being and having this space with you uh, today. Well, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the Black Biohacker podcast. Remember that your vibe always attracts your tribe. Until next time.